Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, auto steer is a form of precision agriculture most farmers use, but the toolbox is growing rapidly due to new technology. Don Campbell is a field smart agronomist. He says precision agriculture aims to optimize each region of the field and create maximum return on investment. Campbell says precision egg is improving every year. And it will be a brown Christmas for many parts of the prairies. And while there has been some snow and rain, more moisture is needed. Trevor Hadwin, an agroclimate specialist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, says it's certainly drier than we would like it to be. Hadwin shares the Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's drought monitoring map. After the break, Don Campbell. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Don Campbell is a field smart agronomist at Western Sales in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. And Don, tell us about precision agriculture technology and how it's improving. From a technological implementation within equipment, we've gone from just having broad acre spraying to pulse width modulation on sprayers to now see and spray, John Deere's terminology. In the future, in broad acre crops, we're going to have the ability for seed spray ultimate, which will have the capability of removing types of weeds from certain crops, so broadleafs out of cereal crops, as an example, or cereals out of uh, pulse or dicot crops. So those are some of the aspects more recently that have got changes. Now that's still fairly new on the market. The way I look at it is the ability to spray a certain weed in a small area of the field. How far away are we from it being more common here? We're told that in the not-so-distant future, in the next year or two, we'll have the capacity for two-tank system where it will be uh, different applications or different products through different tanks. A lot of the technology right now is green on brown, so removing green weeds out of fallow surfaces. There's technology on the market now that also claims to have the ability to be able to do green uh, removal from a green crop. And we've been working with some of the technology to be able to modify or see how far we can push the capabilities as how it currently stands. Western Sales has agronomists. Does that help you with better communication between the customer, the grower, and the technology that your equipment offers? I certainly hope so. One of our main goals is to help customers marry the technology with the agronomy to be able to take as much advantage of the capabilities that are embedded into the equipment from the factory as what's possible. That a lot of producers may not necessarily take as much advantage of just because of lack of understanding, lack of education. And I don't mean that in in a harsh way. It's just a matter of, of having the capability to be able to explain to producers exactly what the benefits are and how to incorporate its use. An analogy might be when you buy a computer, but the average person may only be able to use about 5% of it. Yeah, absolutely. As it comes to computers, I would be I would I would probably be one of those people. As a chief technology officer at John Deere at a meeting that I was at last winter, everything that we've seen in the last five years you can forget about. Every year will be like moving ahead five years at a time. And whatever you see today, think that next year will be 
taking five years and putting it into next year, and so on and so on. It's like chasing a train is where the technology is going. It's just going to continue to speed up going down the tracks. Okay, let's talk about soil moisture probes and how they assist farmers and agronomists in making decisions. We've utilized soil moisture probes for about the last six or seven years. And working with the folks at Crop Intelligence, they've been able to develop a, a tool, which we utilize daily, to be able to identify where the roots are at, how much moisture is being absorbed. Now that we have enough years of data, we've got the ability to be able to, to determine the rooting activity. Is it, a, is it a healthy crop? Is it an unhealthy crop? What's the potential of the crop? Is there an opportunity to do a fungicide more timely? Is there an opportunity to do top dressing? If the conditions persist under years where it's really quite dry, it can certainly encourage us to maybe pull back the bus and not make additional investment if we're looking at conditions that aren't going to be really conducive for good crop health and, and good yield potential. Did you notice any trends in certain areas? Or is every field truly different? Every field can certainly be different because of weather patterns. There's certain areas where we were making decisions that were far more site-specific than even a matter of a couple of miles away, just based on the way that the weather patterns went through this year, and frankly, the way that our conditions have been in west-central Saskatchewan for the last few years. It's really hard to make large generalized statements. We have utilized the tools in the past for making applications of fungicides, where as a total area, there would be no general statement, we need to go out and make a, a fungicide to help prevent sclerotinia spread within a canola field, where we were making those decisions based on field-specific, site-specific information that it was the right decision to be made because the conditions that field had experienced and the potential of the crop was there and what the potential was for additional rain meant that we wanted to be able to protect the crop. And so we made those decisions. Do the probes last more than one year or is it just uh, a one-off thing? So we in, we install the probes shortly after seeding. We like to leave the probes in the ground until almost freeze up so that we can capture after harvest, hopefully fall rains, and see what level of moisture recharge we have within the soil profile at which point in time we can help make judgments as to what the potential yield is for following year crops. If a soil moisture probe is in a hard red spring wheat field, we take it out at the end of October and there's two inches of crop available water in the ground, we can extrapolate from that the amount of, uh, amount of average uh, moisture uh, recharge that we'll get from snow from a 30-year average and incorporate what we could potentially have from 25, 50, 75, 100, 125% of in-season rainfall the following year to get an indication as to what the crop's potential is the following year. So you can go through a number of different scenarios. Depending on what happens, you can make alternate plans if necessary. Exactly. So it can help from a planning perspective, fertilizer potential applications, volume of fertilizer required. If there's no soil moisture in the ground and we'll need 150% of winter and in-season rainfall to get to an average uh, potential crop, then applying fertilizer for uh, considerably higher than what that potential is wouldn't necessarily make economic sense. 
Don Campbell is a field smart agronomist at Western Sales. After the break, agroclimate specialist Trevor Hadwin will talk about the lack of snow and unseasonably warm temperatures. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Trevor Hadwin is with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and uh, we're going to be talking about his area, agroclimate uh, specialist with AAFC. So Trevor, set the stage for us heading into 2024. Going into the winter here, we're certainly drier than we would like to be. We have seen a little bit of improvement through the fall. But again, it's, it's very minor. We, we're seeing above normal precipitation through the fall period here or near normal throughout the seven prairies. But the fall really doesn't provide a lot of moisture. So again, when we're talking about deficits of 50 to 75 mils over the growing season or a little bit more in some areas, the fall period isn't going to make that up. We're, we're looking at a deficit going into the winter snowfall season, and we really do need a significant snowfall to make that up, especially in terms of the, the soil moisture, but also in terms of the water supplies that we're seeing. We're seeing low water supplies throughout many regions. Where is the biggest area of concern? The biggest area of concern remains uh, southern Alberta or that central region of Alberta. Uh, south of Red Deer, um, down close to the border, but not not quite to the border of uh, the U.S. So that's that that really dry pocket that we've had there for um, more than a year. Um, that is the area that is continuing to be uh, 40 to 60 percent of normal. Uh, some areas in there are even below 40 percent of normal. Uh, it stretches into Saskatchewan a little bit. But most of Saskatchewan, we're seeing uh, conditions that over the growing season um, and into the winter here are more at that 60 to 85 percent of normal. So a little bit better, but still by no stretch in a good condition. Uh, So we we need moisture right across the southern prairies. We're really hoping for uh, large snowfall events this winter to really help with uh, spring runoff and uh, spring soil moisture supply. When we're talking about the situation in Saskatchewan, the southwest and west-central area, still a significant concern for those producers. Yeah, absolutely. We've gone through a fairly dry cycle in the last five years. When you start to add up those deficits, they start to accumulate fairly rapidly. Some areas of the province and and mostly in that west region, but also uh, up near the North Belford and Kindersley, Rosetown area, uh, we're seeing deficits over that five-year period uh, of well over uh, 300, 400 millimeters of rainfall. So that that's a almost a complete year of moisture that's lost over the last five years. So uh, again, that's fairly significant. Um, looking at the three-year deficits, um, areas down in the the west or er, er, uh, southwest region of the province. Again, we're, we're looking at 300 to 400 millimetres of uh, deficit, uh, of precipitation deficits in that region. So, uh, again, very significant losses in terms of moisture over the last number of years. And the, the big concern is that many of those areas still have no snow on the ground, and this is December, very unusual. The problem with not having snow on the ground is not only that we don't have moisture sitting there waiting to be melted in the spring, but we're losing moisture out of the soil uh, 
when the temperatures are fluctuating around zero, uh, we've got some fairly heavy winds. So we're, we're, we've got exposed soils and we're losing moisture um, all the time through evaporation here. And um, there's no, none of that insulating barrier to uh, hold that moisture into the soil right now. So um, that is a certainly a concerning piece. Um, the only benefit that we're seeing of the extended fall period here is um, some producers are able to feed their cattle or keep their cattle on either stubble or or on pastures uh, to uh, reduce the feed costs that they're they're going to experience this uh, season. And can you update us on the situation in Manitoba? Yeah, conditions are improving in Manitoba. Their their deficits are certainly high, likely higher than in some of the other regions of the, the prairies, but they also do receive a lot more precipitation. So when you look at the, at the deficits, it looks like things are really bad, but it's just because they're so far from normal. That doesn't mean they're as dry as other areas. Late season rain and the fall moisture has uh, really started to improve the situation there. Trevor Hadwin is an agroclimate specialist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of December 18, 2023. Borgo Industries of St. Brew has been sold. Linamore Corporation announced it had reached an agreement to acquire the cedar manufacturer for $640 million. Borgo will become part of a new Linamar Agriculture Division. The acquisition includes Borgo's Highline Manufacturing Division, which produces hay handling and livestock feeding equipment, as well as roto molding producer Freeform Plastics. Borgo employs over 900 people in Saskatchewan and over 1,000 worldwide. The sale is expected to be finalized early in 2024. Canadian agricultural exports to the U.S. have surpassed imports. The balance totaled $18.3 billion in 2022, up from $1.8 billion back in 1993. The growth has been due to a significant increase in four major product groups. Shipments of canola oil more than doubled. Canola meal exports jumped to $1.6 billion. Bakery products increased to $4.3 billion. And fresh boneless beef sales reached $2.5 billion. The top five imports from the U.S. were food preparations, denatured ethyl alcohol and other spirits, corn, bakery products and pet food. Canadian canola seed exports are lagging. The domestic crush is full steam ahead, and we should see improved canola prices for the grower in the 2024 calendar year. Those were the major points on the current canola market from left-field commodity research market analyst Chuck Penner. Penner says canola seed exports are down largely because of reduced sales to China. With some additional crushing capacity coming online, Penner believes it could be a record year for domestic canola oil production. The federal government has extended Doug Chorney's appointment as the chief commissioner of the Canadian Grain Commission. Chorney's three-year term was to expire in December, but the governor and council has extended it to April 30, 2024. Chorney has agreed to continue in the role until then. The government sought applications for the role of chief commissioner in the spring of 2023. The job posting at the time said the review process would begin in May of 23. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. 
Tell your friends and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.